Welcome back to another very special Andrew Says. I almost forgot the name of my show because I almost said Danny Mullen. He's our guest today. How are you, Danny? Thanks for joining me. No problem. I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Andrew. This is just a monumental occasion. You got a couple of big fans here, myself and uh, an editor named Lincoln. Uh, he considers himself part of the uh, the Danny Mullen, I think it's Legion, in my, if I'm correct. A regime, regime excuse, excuse uh, me, uh, regime. Whatever. But shout out to Lincoln. Thank you. Oh, he's going to love that. Um, this isn't the f- like the first time I think some other people at Rebel News heard of Danny Mullen was when you had an excursion down by the border and ran yeah. into our fairly new reporter, uh, Juan, who's been with us for a few months now, I think, doing uh, the Spanish reporting and everything. You want to tell everybody how that happened and what came about? Really funny video. We'll play it over top, but you want to tell us that story? Yeah, absolutely. So we went down to the Eagle Pass border section of Texas, which is one of the highest volume places as far as illegal immigration. We went down there for the scheduled date of the termination of Title 42. Title 42 was a a Trump era piece of legislation that was basically the last line of defense, keeping uh, the borders from being totally overrun and the Biden administration was seeking to repeal it. Now, to me, I heard about all this and I just thought, I have to see it for myself. It sounds like awesome content. And we just wanted to go down there and cover it. And uh, covering it, in my case, it's a little less professional than <laughs> the squad of uh, Rebel News as far as their definition of covering an event. So we went down there with a coyote costumes and an inflatable raft because we planned on crossing the Rio Grande into Mexico, actually, I ended up getting tackled by Border Patrol. It was a very immature display. But at some point, we ran into Juan from Rebel News, and he pointed out to us that there was this giant congregation of uh, of law enforcement, Border Patrol, and media. And it, it was Juan who pointed out to us that hey, I've been reporting on this sector of the border for months and months, and I've never seen it this heavily protected. It's BS. They're just putting on a show for the media. Um, And I don't like it because they're trying to give the citizens in America the idea that these borders are secure, and they're actually not. So that really fired me up. I went right to City Hall where the governor of Texas was giving a speech (laughs) in a coyote costume with my whole crew, and we, we really made quite a spectacle out there. And one of my favorite moments with the young Juan from Rebel News <laughs> is um, when somebody, a police officer or a journalist, asked us who we were and who we were with, uh, I, I just I, I shouted it out without thinking, we're with Rebel News, <laughs> mother effer! And you can see in the background Juan going, no, they're not with us, they're not with us, panic. But uh, he did the right thing. But I, I think since that video came out, uh, Rebel News was actually proud to have yes. us claiming we were with them. So Juan, if he could do it again, I think he would. Uh, the gesture would be more something like, "Yes, they're with us. They're our newest correspondents." Maybe he's a little. He's new. He might have been thrown off by the telling him to chug the beer right away. But uh, he's a nice. We did boy. try to make him chug a beer. Yeah, we tried to get him drunk. We did. <laughs> he's, he's more professional than I. I probably would have just drank and said who cares um danny watching your like i knew who you were i saw you on nelk vids and then ever since this one stuff it's just been non-stop binging your channel 
Um, my girlfriend and I watched the one where you raided the women's march and pretended that I think it's your girlfriend, if I'm not wrong, yeah. um, that you beat her up. My girlfriend loved that. She's like, this is something that you would make me do. And it just really <laughs> takes me back to my YouTube days, causing a muck in uh, libraries and stuff and really bothering people around where I do. Um, mm. And uh, it just made me think of how did you get started doing this? I don't know when your channel exactly started, but was it always just let's just go and do this excursion and we'll just make content out of it? Because the content is really you and you have have all the guys you're doing with. And I want to ask you about Leo later, but the content is just you're going to go somewhere and you're going to make it a good video. Is that how it always was? Yeah, it, it I love I like to now think that we have enough of a team in place and I've done this long enough that when we go out to a place, it's not just, hey, let's be buffoons in public. <laughs> I, I try to have some sort of idea behind it. Like the Title 42 video we did, it's called uh, The U.S.-Mexico Border is a Disaster. It's one of my favorites. It's us being super immature, sex jokes, really low-level humor. But around it, we're doing some serious, sort of serious journalism. The same with the WNBA game. We're right. investigating a, a sporting event that most people have some ideas about and have heard of, but they don't know what it really looks like on the inside. And that's where we come in. We get courtside seats, show up in fur coats, and that night, uh, as you know, we actually end up getting arrested. But um, it, it started off a little... I, so I still, from time to time, will go back and private old videos of mine because at the very start, I was getting used to the grind of putting out a YouTube video every week, which is probably not a healthy work schedule to have. And, and no other forms of media do people have to put out content every week of the year without break. I mean, think about a sitcom or... Um, films where people have they have breaks scheduled in and vacations we don't and i used to just be like all right i put out 42 pieces of content in a row i slept three hours last night i'm losing my mind let's go into a walmart and make loud noises until we get kicked out that's that's how it was a little bit in the beginning and i'm not proud of that and i'm i'm trying to move in the direction where hey now um we're gonna we're gonna get kicked out um by Border Patrol in a coyote costume while we're trying to make a young reporter shotgun a beer. <laughs> well, whatever it is, Danny, it's working, let me tell you. And I uh, really oh, thank you, man. I really envy you. Um, now, I want to ask you about Leo. I've got so many questions. Um, I want to ask you about he Leo. He is a homosexual. Okay. That's... Yeah, he is. He, he's, come, he's come out of the closet. He, uh, <laughs> that was tough. Really... I'm sorry, it's early, and I'm just that's saying okay. stupid stuff. I'm so... <laughs> if there's a show on Rebel News to say that on, I think it's this one. Um, right. so for a few videos, I'm watching it and you keep saying he's from the bachelor and the bachelorette. I'm just like, oh, that's just a funny joke. And I'm like, is he actually from the bachelorette? And I search it up and he was, and he was funny on that. I saw the highlights of that. How did you guys begin to cross paths? Yeah. So him and I met in Los Angeles in a social media little sketch comedy event that was going on. A buddy of ours who was directing a stupid Facebook sketch had us both on set and we met there. And I saw the potential of Leo immediately <laughs> just based on his look for all the th these things we could do with a guy who looks like he should be on the cover of a romance novel. But <laughs> right, right after we did that shoot though, he got cast on the bachelorette. Okay. And 
And I was bummed because I was like, oh, he's a reality television star now. There's no way he's going to collaborate me with me, this guy who has, at the time, I don't know, 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. But thank God that Leandro Dottavio was canceled for sending inappropriate <laughs> texts to a woman in uh, 2012. They dug those up. Uh, it destroyed his reputation in the reality television universe. And uh, he was mine again. He was ready to come back to me because he would never get cast in another mainstream television show until the day he died. So, Which is odd because day. there's so many reality shows where there's just like, what's that one where they go to the island and they're, is it still Temptation Island? I'm not sure if it's still that. Yeah. They basically just cheat on their spouses the whole time. But uh, Leo yeah. sends some texts and that's unacceptable for this genre now. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that strange? The things that are okay and not okay. Like, I, I recently got canceled, it was about a year ago, for saying insensitive comments about overweight people on a mm -hmm. podcast. I was riffing. It was clearly a joke. Uh, I said something about uh, overweight women and um, how they should be treated. It involved the samurai sword. And it was clearly a joke. I don't believe any of that. But it, it resulted in mass backlash. The worst cancellation we've ever had. But sort of like what you're alluding to, Andrew, is there are there are tiers of cancellation. The the worst you could get pegged with is racism. After that, maybe sexual assault or sexual misconduct. Fat is way down the list. <laughs> Fat shaming. So the whole time, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to cancel for fat shaming. That's the best kind of cancellation. I love this. And it really allowed me to lean into it. <laughs> There, when you reference that, I looked it up, and there is a change.org petition against you. I don't think it's got any steam left behind it. It's, it faltered at like 50,000 or something, I want to say. So everybody go and yes. sign that. Get it right on uh, that. Absolutely. We'll put that on and the screen. A lot of the names were, were just not even clever joke names, too. It was clearly my fans, I think, signed about 25% uh, mm. of those signatures with names like uh, Harry Nutsack and Long <laughs> Cock. <laughs> That was a lot of those names I want to point out. So they're not as close to their goal as it may okay. seem. It's uh, inflated a little bit, we'll call it. Yes. Um, I just love when you guys are teaming up and you're really, I think you guys lean into the pretending to be somebody harder than anyone I've ever seen. And that's what makes it so funny when you guys pretend to be the single A baseball players, for example. Yeah. And I think, and you did that with a hockey team as well. And it's just, oh, yeah. <laughs> in this small town people, just ex one, accept that you guys are probably from this team. And two, mm. you just go into like a restaurant and be like, we're from this team. You can't even skate, by the way. I don't want to point that out. <laughs> but they somehow are just like, yeah, he's from, I forget what they're called. The, uh, Stockton Heat. Stockton Heat, team. yeah. It used to be yes. in, in Canada, that team. That's why I remembered it. But, um, oh man, it's good. Um, yeah, they're assholes, by the way. They tried to copyright strike that video and we won through the YouTube system. But yeah, the key to pretending you're somebody you're not, I think, again, it helps to have Leo around, who's just this giant, good-looking dude. And people, they take a look at Leo, and they're like, this guy is too big and too handsome to be fooling around on YouTube. It must be legitimate, whatever he's telling us. So in the cases you referenced, he must be a real minor league ball player or a real minor league hockey player. And then me... I come in with the jargon. It's all bullshit, but I can tell you uh, what size skate 
blade I have. I can tell you the proper defensive formation when we played the the Monterey Bald Eagles <laughs> in another minor league hockey. I just I have all those things at the tip of my tongue. So after uh, 30 seconds of interacting with us, they're like, all right, I guess these guys are real minor league athletes. We'll give them a free frappuccino at our Starbucks. And then Leo always busts out the like a Cuban accent whenever you're in those situations too. Um, He's got that down, yeah. It's very good. Um, another staple, I think, and I know that I'm just I'm running through things here, but is your wrestling and jujitsu. It's always impressive uh, to watch people challenge you. It's one of the my favorite parts of your videos. Um, and there was this one guy, I forget, it might have been at the whip. No, it was at the marathon race where one guy seemed like he really thought he could beat you. You you do yeah. have jujitsu training. I can tell that. I'm pretty sure. Am I wrong? Yeah, that'd be impressive if I didn't. And I just <laughs> somehow was able to lock people up in triangles. Yeah, I do. I do train Brazilian jujitsu. I've been a purple belt for way too long. But yeah, I try to train three times a week down here in LA. And where do you train? I don't want to say that. Okay, that's fair. I don't, I don't want some wacko showing okay. up with a sign when I'm just <laughs> trying to lay low in the middle of class. That's fair. I'm just a big uh, MMA fan, so I was wondering from that regard. Um, how did yeah, you? Yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a it's a good gym. I I train with good guys, but it's uh, a good bit too. Um, yeah. When your fans really want to wrestle you, that's uh, always a good time. Uh, another thing I wanted to uh, ask you about is how you got involved with Nelk. They sort of bring you in as, like you mentioned, the maximum level bullshitter, um, CIA mm -hmm. guy, FBI guy, Sasquatch video I think you were in. Yeah. Um, how did you end up getting that gig, let's call it, or how did you just end up hooking up with them uh, to do videos? Yeah, so they are very responsible for my early YouTube success. They saw my videos when I was doing those things I referenced earlier, the immature, uh, hey, I'm out of ideas, let's get herded out of a Walmart, unfortunately, <laughs> that's what I was doing. They saw something there that they liked, and they requested that I write them a couple of ideas. So I sent them a list of four ideas, one of which was based on an SNL sketch to go be a, a pepper boy at a restaurant, like a super nervous pepper boy. And just pepper up people's dishes who don't <laughs> require pepper on that dish, who don't want pepper on that dish. And then the other idea, I forget two of the ideas, but the other one I wrote then was actually a rehash of an old man show bit with uh, Adam Carolla and Jimmy Kimmel mm -hmm. to show up at the airport dressed in pilot gear and then start getting visibly hammered in an airport <laughs> bar. Yeah. So we did that bit, and I don't think I told them that I – nicked that from the man show i just i pretended it was an original idea but we we did both of those sketches and what the pepper boy went over okay the drunk pilots went over really really well and that solidified my relationship to them and ever since they've been calling in when they need as you said a master bullshitter and the last two occasions where my services were needed where yeah i was the fbi agent who uh, rolled in on a Humvee to uh, to arrest some mark they found up in like the Upper Michigan Peninsula, <laughs> who was a Bigfoot expert. Yeah, they found just some wacko who was the world's foremost Bigfoot expert, whatever that means up there in that region. And uh, yeah, I, I came in. You, you can watch the video. That'll probably be better than me explaining it. Uh, the newest Nelk Bigfoot video. 
And then recently I was a wedding planner. Right, right. A wedding planner at a fake wedding where they were also pranking some poor guy. I'm versatile. I remember all those. You mentioned the man show. I'm glad. I think we're somewhat close to the same age. So I'm glad to get all these references. But I saw Adam Carolla, I think, on Fox yesterday. And I'm just thinking, wow, him and Jimmy Kimmel really went separate ways. I, I wonder if they just have this relationship where they don't talk to each other about anything related to politics or even if they talk at all, because they, they don't badmouth each other, but they completely went in opposite directions. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up, too. Adam was one of my first comedy idols. Him on Loveline. There's a, a channel called Loveline Clips, I think. It used to be called Popular. Now it's just Loveline Clips. You can select any random Adam Carolla episode from 1997 to 2004, and he will make you laugh harder than most comedy specials on Netflix. I mean, maybe you'll stumble across a Bill Burr or a Louis C.K. special that's better. But Adam Carolla is almost as funny as those guys, totally unscripted. And I loved him then, and it's made me so happy that he has basically been the same dude ever since. I mean, he was anti-bullshit back in the day when he was on Loveline, over-taxation of people, against crime, against people raising their kids like knuckleheads. And today, that's become like, um, I mean, you're basically a Nazi if you say any of those things in public. He hasn't backed down from that. I still listen to his show every morning, the Adam Carolla show, and it's great. Jimmy Kimmel, on the other hand, uh, just had Joe Biden on his program and was referring to uh, Joe Biden and the Democratic Party as we and asking America <laughs> why or asking aloud why uh, people aren't with us and, he, and, and pondering why. People can't understand like why what Joe Biden is doing in the White House is really great right now. Why can't people understand that? So yeah, it's sad to see. And I just I think Adam's got to ask Jimmy like you're doing this is bullshit, right? You're just doing this so you can stay on a prime time program so you can keep your advertisers and your guests. You don't believe any of this, right? Because I I don't think there's any way that Jimmy Kimball can sincerely believe what he's saying night after night. Well, you mentioned the part where they talk about like we. And I think it's very important for Hollywood and social media like Snapchat and Instagram to present it as if their point of view is the only one. And anybody who who differs from that even a little bit is like a really weird and strange and outlying person. I think that's what a lot of it uh, relies on, especially uh, in the late night talk show world where they all pretty much say the exact same thing. Everybody named Jimmy and James. It's all Jimmy yeah. and James and Stephen Colbert. I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> Hard segue, Danny, into how often you're asking people to show you their penis. Um, plan. Speaking of. Not planned. Can you, tell, can, can you tell your staff to turn their backs real quick? And can you uh, mind popping up and yeah, do give what? me a look right now? You mind uh, giving me a look at yours right now, speaking of? Oh, no. <laughs> In person yeah, only. I, thank you. <laughs> I guess I have uh, to talk about it if you don't want. To. <laughs> you know that's that's um that is a a hard segue. That was another thing. Unfortunately, back in those days I referenced earlier when we didn't have much in the way of material, we went down to San Diego with a character uh, called Fan Jerry in my mm -hmm, crew, mm -hmm. and we filmed a video that was actually titled "Show Us Your Penis," and we did uh, a lot. Of asking people, as you can probably imagine, to show us their penis. And unfortunately, that set it off. 
and it creeps back into my videos from time to time like a cancer. <laughs> I just I can't get rid of it. Oh man, how much reliance is there on you know um, going in there? I know you said that you're doing these planning uh, this planning now um, for the last while. How much reliance is there on events happening? Because I remember when I was doing these types of videos way back in the day now, let's say 2001. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> that you kind of have to try to find an event and or, or find like a place to go to. Is that is that why you find yourself traveling a lot more? Or did you guys really just want to go and see more places? Because a lot of the videos are like fattest city in America and Texas, uh, worst city yeah. in California. Did you kind of just want to like get out there and see like more of the more of the country? Or did you kind of like follow where events and where things would lead you? I think both. I think you. I just scan the news, read the news. Sometimes things jump out at me. Events. Oh, we could really go piss a lot of people off at this place. But also, there really is something to be said for seeing the country and filming in locations other than Los Angeles. L.A. is so saturated with dickhead YouTubers and people are so jaded that when you roll in with the camera, they already have a list of assumptions about you. Uh, wannabe TikTok star, airhead, stupid, not funny, get away from me, I don't want to talk. But when you roll into a business in, say, Anchorage, Alaska, or Boise, Idaho with a camera, it's a novelty. And everybody would love to speak with you. This is their 15 minutes of fame. So it is refreshing to travel and film. It makes it a lot easier, not on the budget, but it does make it a lot easier to create content. I keep asking people I talk to from California if they want to leave, because the people that are still there, I just uh, had a a friend of mine, Patriot J, who's a rapper, lawyer, writer, and everything. He still lives out in California. He doesn't plan on leaving. Um, versatile guy. Yeah, he is. I know. And he's only like rapper, 23 years lawyer, old. lawyer, writer? Yeah. Wow. He's like 23, well, he, dreadlocks. Can you be a lawyer at 23? Did this guy uh, skip law school? Maybe. Maybe he's older than that. But he, uh, I think that's possibly five years in school. How long does it take? He might be like, I think Alexander Hamilton was self-studied. I think he passed the bar after like six months. So that happens like, sometimes. Yeah. That happens. You pay like a few grand, you can do it. But is there any desire yeah. to leave or do you just want to make uh, California better? Is it is there too much uh, good uh, content fodder out there? Or how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, I don't think, at least in my opinion, I don't think there would be a better state to film in. <laughs> Weather is something you have to consider because mm -hmm. we film almost exclusively outdoors. So a rainy day shuts us down. That's important. Absolutely, the content is tremendous out here. It is such a big state. There are so many different worlds. I mean, a lot of Star Wars, for instance, they turned the, the geography of California literally into different worlds. I mean, Endor, the sand dunes. All of those locations they filmed at in the original Star Wars is here. And also politically, there are different worlds. You can go to Bakersfield and find the biggest flag saluting MAGA man on the planet. But then you go an hour and a half the other direction and people are, are lighting American flags on fire. So we have that sort of diversity. Uh, the, the crime's insane, the underworld, the scum. I love documenting that. But it's also <laughs> beautiful here. I love L.A. I love the history of L.A. The only real reason to move would be just cheaper real estate and not having to pay 13% income tax, which is 
a good reason. But I mean, I mean, we toyed with the idea of moving to Las Vegas. But what do you have in Las Vegas? You have the Strip, and then you have Strip malls. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I can't. People are going to get bored of me shoving a microphone in the face of a drunken tourist, and then go and like hanging out in front of a Chili's. There's just, <laughs> there's not enough content in these low tax states. So for now, remaining in Los Angeles is the plan. Yeah, not to mention, if you get kicked out of one of those casinos, they're all going to ban you forever, I feel like, because they, I think they're all owned by three people, like three companies own all the casinos. So yeah, that's true. How, how hardcore are you willing to go into a political scenario? And what I mean by that is you went to Evergreen College. I don't think you guys were probably weren't in any physical danger at the time. The, The people were wonderful there um in the, <laughs> in that video just uh the kid who lets you pop his pimple that was, <laughs> that was... In, in order to fight white supremacy of course because yes. he was a whitehead uh-huh. um but could we see danny mullen mullen and leo going to like seattle during an antifa riot or something like that or do you want to get that dangerous or is it best for you to not you know get into a place where you know you could actually get assaulted by a group of nerds yeah, I would prefer to not get assaulted, but I'm willing to get assaulted. Okay. Where it gets a little hairy is I don't want my cameraman or somebody else in my crew to get hurt because they um they aren't as in I mean this is their job and it's my life. So that's the difference. So I'm willing to get hurt, but I don't want them to get hurt. It's really the Antifa, the nerds, the liberals, they don't scare me. In Los Angeles, it's just People who are on the fringe of homelessness, who can't really do the mental arithmetic. If I kill this guy, I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. Those are the scary people. I mean, I was just reading an article in the LA Times the other day where a guy's down in Long Beach right now, walking into 7-Elevens, holding up the register for $322, and then just smoking the clerk after he takes the money. Just armed robbery, life in prison automatically. He thinks it's worth it for a couple hundred dollars. And that's what scares me. People who are just so out of touch with reality that they will kill you over nothing. And down here in Los Angeles, unfortunately, there are a lot of those people. And they scare me more than anything. Have you ever done one in another country yet? No, I'm not really too interested. I mean... I used to think that we would be safe if we went to Canada, the UK, or Australia. But as you know, I mean, Canada especially, free speech isn't really a thing, and their prime minister is a nutcase. I I don't really want to get, I don't want to get caught. Like, I don't want to get arrested at a WNBA game or whatever their equivalent is. (laughs) Zero things in Canada. Yeah. not sure i'm not sure what kind of like misogynist hate crime they would spin that up into being and i would be the next britney griner or whatever her name is locked away for potentially 10 years for something that in america is nothing so i i think you might uh the worst thing that would happen i think is you get charged for hate speech and probably banned from the country I, I don't think you're doing jail time. Canada doesn't like putting people in jail even for the worst of crimes. In fact, they did the thing that I think they did in California and New York where they let a lot of people out during COVID because the prisons were overcrowded, yeah. they said. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I don't think you run the risk of jail time in Canada, especially if you ident- if you just tell them you identify as something or that uh, you have a certain sexuality or gender. 
and then I think they'd be confused enough to let you just leave. But uh, the problem would be getting in, frankly. Uh, if you don't have yeah. uh, 19 vaccinations, I don't know if you can get in right now is the problem. As uh, recently announced was, you can never be up to date in Canada, so you're going to need it every nine months to be considered up to date, which is a great new Damn. law. I fixed my like 90s hair that I got going here. It looks great, actually. Thank you, Danny. I uh, pride myself on the voluminousness of it. Um, and it's it not cooperating. Voluminous. I need a haircut. I need to go to my uh, barber. Maybe you should censor that so that he doesn't get, get hate yeah. mail. He doesn't um, get mobbed. Yeah. Somebody coming after me, they'll be like, well, I can at least go after. Maybe Danny will hear about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I need to also. But I, I feel like a hair appointment, especially in L.A. It's first of all, you know, you're not going to be able to get in for a week. So that knowing that it's going to take a long time weirdly makes you procrastinate even more because you're like, ah, it's just like it's such delayed gratification. Then I have to drive to the Valley of Los Angeles. It really is horrendous. I, I moved up the street from my old house. So I just, I just recently moved um, like a mile, about a mile. And I thought, that's great. I'll go to the same grocery store. I can work out in the same park. My life won't even change. But that mile added nearly 25 minutes to my commute. Oh, God. Because every day it's something. A junkie plows into a fire hydrant and floods a <laughs> city block. Add 15 minutes onto your commute. A high-speed chase ensued with the police, and now there's a shootout at La Brea in La Cienega, and you have to go 30 minutes out of your way. So for me, getting a haircut, I mean, I might as well be crossing into Tijuana to get it done. It's such an, it's such an, it's like an effort that, yeah, I, I'm getting anxiety just thinking about it. I need one as well, though. See, it's here it's construction or car accident every single day. If there wasn't any of that, my drive to work would be 30, 35 minutes. But every day it's an hour for some reason. Um, and it, it never gets done. But isn't your haircut like part of who you are, I want to say? Like, isn't, aren't you recognizable partially because of your haircut? Yeah, it's a pretty stupid bowl cut right now. And uh, right after it gets cut, I get a wave of shit talk from the fans for like... Uh, maybe three weeks until it grows out into a more natural state. Then they're like, all right, we can stop making fun of his hair. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, um, I guess when, when you do what I do, you can't get the traditional like douchebag TikToker perm cut or anything like that. You can't be trying to look hot. So that rules out a bunch of haircuts for me right there. <laughs> I do jujitsu. So yeah. I don't want the hair all down in my face. So that rules out a longer haircut. So I'm, I'm really left with just a handful of cuts, and uh, the bowl cut is somehow what I wound up with. I'm not really sure. It's, it's probably well, find a better alternative now that I talk it out. Well, I think, um, you know, society really came into play into your haircut. Like, society caught up to your haircut. Now we're seeing it a lot more. I was at a, um, a tech conference a couple weeks ago, and uh, there was this guy with a big hockey mullet, shaved side of his head, big permed mullet at the back selling nfts and i go up to him I'm like this is going to be a canadian bro uh and it turns out he was uh like a peruvian guy and he's like yes you like this hair it is called the mullet and i was like this is impressive and uh <laughs> his company is called ugly bros shout out ugly bros don't get canceled on shout me. out mm -hmm. yeah it, that that was a problem with the mullet too my hair used to be more mullety 
But now Peruvian guys, it's such a big trend <laughs> that they're rocking it. And every date rapist frat douchebag that I see on the street, too, with a pair of pit vipers and a longboard, he's got the mullet now. So I had to transition out of that. That got too big. Uh, let me just scratch off wearing my pit vipers in my next video. I got them because uh, com uh, Viet uh, Filipino American comedian I'm friends with uh, with a mullet has been wearing them. I'm like, I need my own pit vipers for. Uh... Tell him he's got to be careful. That's two strikes: the pit vipers and the mullet. But yeah. hey, Leo wears pit vipers too, so I'm yes. not hating pit vipers. You just you can't. You could have like one thing that overlaps with the typical American date rapist frat boy. You don't want like all of your accessories and looks matching them. I'll have to get rid of the longboard. No, I'm against you in the anti-longboard stance. It is impressive, though, you just randomly do these things in your videos. Like, you just randomly are able to kickflip. And when I watched, you just grab this guy's guitar and start playing it. Maybe you're not, like, amazing at everything, but you do. And that sounds like an insult now that I, now that I say no, it. No, you're right. You're right. Though. But you know how to do basically everything convincingly. I think that's the, the point to... Uh, to be, if you want to be like Danny Mullen, be able to do things convincingly. Is that fair to mm -hmm. say? Yeah. An improv teacher of mine once said that when you're not doing improv or comedy, you should just learn about the world. Go to a play, go to a symphony, go to a new restaurant, read a book about a subject you know nothing about, because all of that stuff will serve you in your comedy. If you just have a little surface level knowledge about everything. And that's what you're referring to. I know a little bit about a lot, which is better than being a master at anything. Well, what really hits home for me is your hatred of the French, being a French-Canadian myself, uh, the constant wreck. Do I? Is it constant? I wouldn't oh, say okay, that's constant. Not constant, but there's been frequent times where you're saying, let's yell at these French people, and you're just like, Napoleon <laughs> sucked. Uh, maybe you mentioned like Descartes or something. You have a whole bunch of French references that I myself don't even know. And you're able to fire them off like six in a row. This person was the worst person of all time. His influence means nothing to me. And uh, just the poor French, you know, but not actually. Yeah, I, I think you're referring to the video of cross-dressing in San Francisco. where we It's found more than one, Danny. I'm not lying. <laughs> I, don't, I can't even remember the last time we disparaged the French, but it's I not mean... Enough. I mean, uh, I, I got. The, I was gonna lay into the French right here, but I, that's the thing. Is I, I told you, I have a shallow amount of knowledge about everything. Well, I've exhausted my anti-French sentiment, so now <laughs> I'm out of new things. I need to, I need to pick up uh, maybe some 1940s era newspapers. I'm sure there's something negative <laughs> I can find about the French there. I'll just, the well. I'll just uh, call my dad and be like, Dad, give me a lot of things French people hate, at least in Canada. He hates separatists, um, loves his poutine and his Pepsi. Uh, oh, do, you yeah, know what a, big. do you know what a Joe Louis is? A Joe Louis? Yeah, it's a pastry. There's this big pastry factory in Quebec called Vachon. And they create all Vachon. these, like, they, yeah, V-C-H-O-N. They create all these pastries. Um Basically, like, Swiss rolls and, like, uh, pies, like, moon pies, essentially, but it's called a loon moon here. Uh, so there's plenty of fodder that I can just message you if you're ever, for some reason, surrounded by Frenchmen from Quebec. So so poutine's great, mm -hmm. but what's, what's the, the Louis? What is that called again? Joe Louis, but it's spelled J-O-S and then Louis with an S. Like, Joss Lewis would be a joke we would say yeah. when we were kids. 
Um, See, that's that's um, that's too deep because you can <laughs> you can call somebody a Joe Louis eater and nobody will get it. Like the less if than one Canadian, of the they would. Get it. So again, we're getting down to okay. like three percent of the audience. Whereas poutine is that's highbrow. That's a highbrow okay. insult if you call somebody like a poutine pig in their French. But oh, uh, what do you mean I'm a poutine pig? <laughs> yeah. But uh, but at least like. At least poutine is like one notch above palm frites. It's a little bit more of a highbrow reference than that. But it, we're not in the Joe Louis territory, which is just people are going to be scratching their heads. This palm is the frites. art of insulting the Frenchman. Palm frites, apple, apple, apple fries. I see apple fries. I don't know of crepes. Well, that's what palm. That's what palm frite means. Oh, does it? I thought it was just French fries. No, that's uh, no. We're, we're gonna have to next episode. Danny is just all French stuff. Yeah, I, I I've been insult. I've been calling people apple fry eaters. Is that that's not even a thing? Uh, that's just uh, two words stuck together. Very good. We'll get <laughs> we'll wow. get a, wow. a thumbnail with just like a fleur de lis. All right, I wanted to explore as you lean in intent intently um, and listen to my wise words. Um, Keep going. Um, more about this canceling stuff. Do you ever worry about it? Because this change.org thing, it, it, if I think if the right people wanted to try to, like, are you demonetized on YouTube? No. No, that's what I'm saying. And let's not jinx ourselves here. Maybe I shouldn't even say it. But should this be something that you're worried about? Do you worry about it at all when you're, when you're making the content? Because... Every time I put a YouTube uh, video up and it gets demonetized right away, I pretty much always win the the appeal, knock on wood. So it's not something I really worried about, but I, I'm wondering with uh, such a large channel of yours and how many views you get, you have to sort of worry about this sort of thing sometimes, or do you? I think the bigger you are, the less you have to worry about it because YouTube... They have done some shady stuff. Like they got rid of Leo's channel, which was a smaller mm. channel. And you hear stories about them just throwing aside the three-strike system and axing channels that they don't like. But they can only do that when those channels are small. Because if my channel got booted off YouTube, it would be it would be news. Enough other creators in this niche would pick it up and complain about it, and it would be bad press for YouTube. I mean, a great example of this is when... Sargon of Akkad got kicked off Patreon in 2018 or 19, and Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris left the platform. A ton of people left the platform, and it was a black eye that I think they've done everything in their power to recover from. YouTube doesn't want that. It doesn't want to censor people publicly and be, be branded as that platform. So I feel actually pretty safe because of my size. And um, also, especially more and more, I feel like I try to do comedy that's universally funny. I want to do stuff that makes my parents laugh. So it's a little bit offensive. It's a little bit naughty. But it's really not violating community guidelines. I mean, I'm, I'm sure YouTube, I mean, clearly, they don't like me, probably. There are a lot of people in YouTube who don't like me taking my girlfriend with a prosthetic black eye to a woman's march. Okay, they're probably offended by that. But it's really, I'm sure, not their top priority for removing from the platform. What else do you want to do? Do you want to? Are you happy with staying on YouTube? 
and I don't mean that uh, insultingly. Did you, do you want to do something? Would you ever do a Danny Mullen show? Which have you been offered by like MTV or something? Is there anything like that? No official offers. I just realized though that I uh, my business email that's on my YouTube channel is like a, an email I hadn't checked in like three years. So if MTV has emailed me, I haven't seen it. But I'm not really interested in any of that. I, I like the immediacy of we make something, we put it up on YouTube, it gets views instantly. I don't really like the idea of going radio silent for eight months, working on a, a TV show for Netflix or Hulu. It goes up, it gets the same amount or less views than I get on YouTube, and then it's gone, and then nobody can find it or access it again because the rights get lost or sold. And, yeah, five years down the line, you're like, nobody even knows where it is anymore. Right now, my content is all batched together. I own it all. It comes out when I want it to come out. I'm happy with what I get paid. I, I see people on YouTube who make much, much more money than I do, so I know there's plenty of room for growth. I'm happy on YouTube. And the Danny and Leo podcast, I think it's called, um, when did you start that? Was there a particular reason or did you guys just say that you want to just do a podcast like the rest yeah, of us? It's, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, it's the Leo and Danny show. And we started it uh, on my couch, actually, uh, on one hungover morning on my couch in 2019. And yeah, that's just for us to have a podcast because you have to have a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. Not much more to it. Well, before we go, I'd be remiss to not shout out Ryan Long. Um, how did you guys yeah. meet? Uh, really, one of the nicest guys in, I will call it this space, this uh, this sphere. How yeah. did you guys uh, get to know each other? Yeah, I believe we just exchanged a couple of direct messages. Um, I called him a piece of shit. He called me a <laughs> cocksucker. No, that's not true. That, it meant it, exchange text messages sounds like it's hostile or <laughs> direct message. But no, we just we just said hi. I like your stuff. The feelings mutual. I went on his show, his uh his podcast actually remotely, like I'm doing right now. And then we first met up and filmed here in L.A. in November. And uh, shout out to Ryan in the video we did that we've spoken of a couple of times now, that where I took my girlfriend, my battered girlfriend, to a woman's march. The second half of that video, we went down to a Ryan Long right. comedy show in San Diego. And he gave our beloved crew member, King Croc, his first five minutes of stand-up ever. My buddy King Croc gets up on stage at Ryan Long's sold-out comedy show with no material and somehow miraculously kills. And he gave King Croc the confidence he needed to uh, continue his comedy career now. So shout-out to Ryan Long. Isn't King Croc a Donkey Kong reference? Or that no, that's I, I King K rule. My apologies. It's yeah, you're right. Dog. That's the that's the uh, the crocodile guy. Yeah, that came up the other day. Well, Danny, I really appreciate you coming on. I had a lot of fun talking to you. I'm down to uh, if you ever come to Canada, I'm down to come out and support uh, your hate speech here. Um, <laughs> ho hopefully, I can come down there sometime. Um, anything else you want to mention to our Canadian audience? Anything else you want to mention at all? Um, no, just thanks for having me, man. I like Rebel News. You guys were super awesome. All of your reporters down there in, uh, in Eagle Pass. Love what you guys are doing. Keep it up. And, um, thanks for having me, man. No problem. You become a special correspondent whenever you want, okay? Danny Mullen, live it, from man. the border, um, tearing down that wall, jumping the border, anything. All right. Hell yeah. 
Send inside where they get to the stalling House side where they get to the walking No side for the people that's off in Rush Limbaugh, boy, you know that I'm talking Ay, Rush Limbaugh, boy, you know that I'm talking Ay, look, Rush Limbaugh, boy, you know that I'm Send inside, I don't trust a single soul inside Need to euthanize, sit on their ass while they loot the guys With their suits and ties, we rip them off with the strength of gods If I see Nancy Pelosi or Kevin McCarthy, we fighting like Budokai Yeah